0: So what happens after you've done your masters? So I I uh
1: I had what's called a terminal masters degree.
0: What is that? Terminal.
1: Yeah, it's it sounds like I'm dying, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a masters degree but that you don't need a PhD. You can you can stop oh. here. And I, I was so happy with that. I said I'm I'm, I'm not going to work on a PhD cuz I don't need it, I got. Yeah. You
0: know, yeah. I got my
1: terminal master's degree. And
0: I need one of those.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm there trying to explain all these ideas into, in my head to different people and I'm banging my head against the wall and I'm asking, "Where do I where where is a school? Where do I go get training?" on how to get people to understand a new idea. And my mentors are looking at me like it's called a PhD. I'm like, no, I don't need that one. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: I just, I have a terminal master's. I just want to go to a school where I learn how to explain a new idea. It's called a PhD.
0: <laughs> why, why exactly did you want to do that? How to explain a new idea? Because
1: I was trying to explain it at work and nobody... Everybody was like, We don't get what you're trying to say. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually
0: thinking, I'm actually this, thinking this is thinking a serious thing. thing, like, <laughs> but I get what but you're I saying, what you yeah, say. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So, several mentors from Carnegie Mellon, uh, one of them, uh, Indira and I Nair being, uh, she was, uh, uh, she retired now, but she was vice provost for education mm-hmm. and just kept on. Like, have you decided on doing a PhD yet? Nope. How about you read another book? Why? No reason. Just read another book. What? <laughs> what? And I come back with more questions. Have you decided on a PhD yet? Mm. Nope. <laughs> so probably about five years of reading books. I was like, I think you're serious. I need to go get a PhD. <laughs>
2: Wait, like, reading, reading. Book, book.
1: Yeah, we, she'd give me a book to read. And then, um, like, for example, Small is, there's an old book called Small is Beautiful. And she'd say, Come back and tell me your ideas. And I'm, Oh, this is so useful for this. Business, and how would you explain that to other people? Conceptualize it? Don't you want to write an, an article? No, not particularly. I just, this was cool. So okay. she'd get frustrated. She'd give me another book to
0: read. Then she gives you another
1: book. <laughs> yeah, the, what was it? The, 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 the power of of uh, unreasonable people or
0: something. <laughs> Very unreasonable. <laughs> Wait, well, so what was that? Were that those, five years, those five years. That's what you were, doing, what you were doing? Reading books? Reading books? Well, I was doing my
1: work. You know, which, I had my full time job, I, I was consulting.
0: Oh, uh, oh, what exactly? Yeah. Exactly.
1: So I had a group, uh, it was, uh, yeah. um, oh, oh, God, I'm forgetting the name of the company I started and that stuff. <laughs> 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 but it was on policy, and um, what I would do was interpret, uh, take the the. the the, the 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 data side of information and try and tell these stories in a way that could enable community development or or uh, different activities and it was actually really enjoyable um, uh, working on whether it was transportation or um, affordable housing, rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Or, and the tagline for the company, I can't can remember the tagline, and I'm blanking on the company name. It was, Can Your Data Talk? mm mm-hmm. um, And, oh, uh, Policy Analysis and Research Group, there. That was, the acronym was PARG, Okay. And so I did that, and then I started realizing that That traditional economic theory was not helping me with the um, stuff that I, the ideas that were coming out in terms of what I wanted to see happen in the addressing these environmental pollution issues. So then I started. I tried. I decided to start simultaneously another entity called Global Ectropy. and uh, <laughs> okay. everybody was like, do? <laughs> "So that one, it's the same now." What I'm doing at CSDI, but less of abstract physics. So, ectropy is the opposite of entropy, and it's uh, uh, um, it doesn't really exist in in physics. Mm-hmm. So think of, um, if you think of everything has a natural rate of decay and, and natural entropy, ectropy is a world, it, it was coined by a physicist, but it's it it's defying natural science as we know it right now. Ectropy is a world where there's no natural decay. Okay. And when I heard that term, I stumbled across it in between reading books. I was like, that's what I want to do. I'm like, imagine a world in which globally there's no decay. And of course, people looked at me like, you're crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That means there's no people dying and we'll get overpopulation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, I wasn't really thinking of oxidation. I was just...
0: <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking did, about? That?
1: I was just thinking of why can't we have a world full of good stuff instead of bad stuff? Mm. So um, then I realized, and and to your point about so when when I'd sign in in conferences or different places with global ectopy, mm. half the room would be like, "What's that?" and the other half of the room would think I was like a nuclear physicist.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: And you hadn't even done yeah. physics I haven't done physics <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. but now I'm talking to physicists about light source communities so <laughs> mm-hmm. building a light source community for Africa that's a fun discussion okay light source
0: communities light source.
1: so uh taking uh, the power of uh, nuclear radiation, but for in like microscope, but these are like mega facilities, and um, they call it um synchrotronic radiation, and you can use that to anything from biomedical discoveries to building materials to um transportation thinking about different ways in which things can work Mm. but it's a very advanced uh high level way of the and and of course nuclear energy and things like that Mm -hmm. and there are enough physicists in there's i was invited to a conference of african physicists who are trying to bring that discussion into the everyday space so if you think trying to get people to understand vaccines is difficult, <laughs> to, is like, more difficult. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> how do we open that discussion up and make it something that everybody just says like you know like oh uh, we have a synchrotron light source community in our neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) see it's like a soap opera right science is so much fun
0: (laughs) you know coming from a biological background me hearing you talking about this i'm I'm, kind of excited to hear what that is about and how impactful it would be, but the science behind it would be so difficult. And I'm kind of thinking what happens through someone's mind when I'm explaining something <laughs> and I'm so excited explaining it, yet they're like...
1: Um, no, you're, you're 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 exactly saying the same thing that the team that works with us says, like, okay, so yeah, this is wonderful, but you do realize that to prove something in science we have to take something very small very tiny very minute Mm -hmm. and build an argument for one thing and here you are trying to build a whole universe how many people i was like oh can't you just you know compartmentalize and do modular and one person works and they're like no this takes like five people to be oh okay okay and you're right Mm -hmm. you're right it is difficult it is difficult because um the layers. It's not like making a legal argument, even though legal arguments are difficult and require often large teams. Mm-hmm. Like if you're trying to do, think of constitutional reform.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, even if you know what the constitution says, you're trying to change one thing. That's a big deal, and it's the same thing with all of this. Um, when you when you're trying to say, I, we think this is a good. Vaccine for COVID—it's like a medical constitutional reform, right? Mm-hmm. In a way, yeah. And it's yeah. not easy.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> what happens to this? Is it a company that you started?
1: So, no, CSDI existed before me. Um, a, a dad was Professor Shamwandiga. Uh, oh, you're talking global no, entropy. No. Yes, yeah. So it's still so I I started it um and then trying to figure out what to do with it, I turned it into a sole proprietorship. It was a formal registered company and then I de registered in terms of taxes and turned it into I'm still trying to figure out what to do with it.
2: because
1: mm-hmm. um, it was it was very ideation focused. Mm-hmm. Um And I still enjoy that, but to your point, when I finished talking about all these big ideas, people would say, these are wonderful ideas, but how do they land, how do they translate into boots on the ground? How do they translate into people doing things? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so trying to do that is when um, dad said, well, maybe you can try some of those ideas at CSDI, which is He started it as a UNESCO Associated Center in 1998. And he said it would be interesting to see some of these advanced ideas. How do you operationalize those in Kenya? And to your point, trying to figure that out, is so time consuming. I don't have as much time for the big, hairy, audacious ideation Mm -hmm. anymore.
0: Okay. So you were still working at the policy thing while having this ideation thing for the global entropy.
1: Yes, I was doing both. And then I also had a, a lesson in uh, business consult. I thought it would, you know, I see people and I just learned personally, I'm not one of those people who can succeed doing two different very different things at the same time. And in the background, I was also selling real estate because I found that interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Business. I and, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. and so what I thought, what I thought when I created Global Electrophy was since lot so many of the projects I was doing under policy analysis and research group had, would end up examining environmental issues, I thought it would be an easy switch. But what I realized is that the reason that clients hired me was for the data. They saw me as a data analyst. They didn't see me as an environmental innovator. Mm -hmm. And me bringing in environmental innovation into a data conversation caused a lot of conflict. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then I committed business suicide and just shut down the company. And A lot of people were angry because I was like, I want to do the environmental innovation. So um, that was a, a lesson learned. Yeah, I don't know how I would have better handled that transition. Mm. But uh, even in retrospect, people always ask me, "What would you have done differently?" I was like, "I don't know," because I got to be up my bonnet. I really love environmental innovation.
0: Mm. That's interesting, but there was a market, there was a right? market right? Not. That level.
1: Uh, And or if it was, it wasn't in. And that's another thing in terms of social circles, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The people who get paid for what I was interested in doing. I had like if you know how they say three degrees of separation. I could go 10 degrees and still not find. I could see people on the Internet, Mm -hmm. but they weren't anywhere in my social circle. Uh So, without that, it was very difficult to have the daily conversations on how do you get paid for this
0: wow do you do oh, okay have you realized that most people when they talk, talk about you know selling your skills or starting a business or all these things? There's not so much conversation about how do you price something, maybe a product or a service or something like there isn't much discussion around that. Exactly.
1: And it's a difficult, it's a difficult conversation, right? Yeah. Uh Because first we come, we have, we have a bad habit in society, which is, we assume that I'm out to get you. If I'm asking you what do you want to pay, it's because I'm out to get you,
2: yeah, right? Yeah.
1: Instead of thinking, and it's not barter, it's just thinking, the real question one's trying to see is what is this worth to you,
2: uh-huh. right? Yeah.
1: And yeah. when you're saying what is this worth to you, then people start all this other ideation about you know social class like mm-hmm. that's really not what one's trying to ask mm-hmm. <laughs> like if I if I've sat down and I've I've done all this work and I know that when I was doing my other work I I'm, I'm I've never worked below like for example even me coming to Kenya right mm-hmm. it, it was $150 an hour is considered huge in Kenya. Uh, for consulting work in the U.S., a small company, that's normal. Mm-hmm. Right? So then I'm like, okay, but the cost of living in Nairobi is no different from San Diego. So mm-hmm. now you want me to work for less than 100 Fifty dollars now. The cost of living is the same. And if I ask, "What's it worth to you?" I get some sheng insult. <laughs> what what kind of sheng insult? <laughs> I would say "Quinda" is the the best no. polite thing, <laughs> <laughs> which means "go away" not. for for people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you're like, okay. Wendell, cool. Cool. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and and really all you're trying to do is I'm not trying to diminish your self worth, yeah, but I'm not yeah. gonna give up mine either. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then people start saying and then people start trying to reverse you know, what we call the US psych you out, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, see what you do is not so special. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh really? Okay, you do it. Yeah, <laughs> well, we know. don't need it. <laughs> right? And and if and 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 then if you say you do it and they can't and then we don't need it, hmm. then how do you everybody loves the iPhone and loves to you know, in Africa everybody loves to tell the story about how the iPhone came about. Hmm. But with this, you know, Uko, I don't need it. How do you get to the iPhone?
0: Good question. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know. You've I mean, taken you've me taken away. Me like I was just, like just in my own head, <laughs> just thinking. And anyway, um, um, you've disrupted my head. Sorry. <laughs> Hey,
1: disruptive innovation, right?
0: (laughs) Okay, yeah. So um, now you've stopped doing this, and what happens after that? Like, do you go directly to STR, or is, is there something that happens between that period of you being in this company that has? policy what happens do you go back to school do you go to another company what happens so yeah so then i decided
1: to do the phd Mm -hmm. finally i finally gave in and i and and then i decided after
0: five years after five years with the same lady yes okay
1: (laughs) so 2000 so we started talking in 2005 2010 Mm -hmm. i decide i'm gonna do the phd and then another you know Everybody's asking me, "What do you want to do?" I was like, "Oh, I want to understand policy in Africa," mm-hmm. and so the universities for that are in Wisconsin, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I decide Pittsburgh is cold enough. I'm tired of winter, so I'm going to study in California. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Well, okay, but there's no policy. There's no." Programs for PhD in policy in in California. So I was like, okay, so I'll study psychology.
0: Mm-hmm. Why is psychology? <laughs>
1: psychology? I decided organizational design and and organizational psychology. What is that? What uh, is that? The use of uh, psychological principles to mm. bring about a behavioral change in organizations.
2: Okay. Uh uh So, uh,
1: I went to, um, uh, and I would sampled different schools, and and some faculty at Stanford and at Berkeley had told me, you know, you're coming into this in your 40s, it's going to be a huge emotional, every time we see somebody in their 40s coming in, Mm -hmm. at least in the US, maybe Mm -hmm. not in the European system, Mm -hmm. they break down because the, the PhD system is designed uh, to treat people like babies, mm-hmm. you know, like you're a young person and you, you, and it's not designed for an adult who's 40, who has 20 years of experience mm-hmm. coming in to formulate ideas. Mm-hmm. Right, but I need to get a PhD, so let's give this a try. And it was a disaster. Why? <laughs> right, right. Oh, uh, locked head with faculty. Um, And then in the middle of that, there was just bad living experience in, uh, it wasn't as bad as George Floyd, but I did get, you know, regular death threats where I was living. And I, I'd never experienced that. That was my first time experiencing that. And that was in your 40s. In my 40s. I mean, I'd, you know, you you go, you. it's not that nobody ever doesn't experience racism, but there mm-hmm. was never, I had never been in an environment where I'm surrounded by it. Because I'd always been in places where, yeah, one or two people say something absolutely crazy and then 10 people are like pulling you aside and giving you a hug and saying we're so sorry
0: oh but now this environment is like there's no such thing it's just ah
1: and i'm like and then it's shocking because you think oh california is so liberal not uh you think it's it's this melting pot and then you start getting all these shades of racism you know it's it's uh like you, you there's this i didn't fit the model because i'm black hispanic and african Mm. so then you start getting hit by you're not asian you're not latino i'm like okay uh and 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 even like illegal mexican immigrants or illegal uh honduran immigrants you know giving you an attitude like who are you i'm better than you Why? Because you're black.